You guys can keep talking. Don't worry about me. I'll just keep going. Uh, hey, if you need a Bible, there are Bibles at the carts. We're going to be in John chapter 14. Uh, just for a portion of it, you may want to turn there. So John chapter 14, if you're in your digital Bible, uh, your phone Bible, whatever. Uh, and you do have permission to tweet and text out anything if you want to. I mean, that's up to you. Uh, I want to talk to you about finishing this series. And this is the last week of our series co- uh, called From Fan to Follower. And I want to review why we're doing this series. Why did we do this series? Because we did uh, this in conjunction with the book, uh, What on Earth Am I Here For? A rewrite from Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren, Saddleback Church, uh, that really trying to help people move from being fans of Jesus. I think one of the struggles uh, in being in church leadership is the tension that we feel of how many people like concepts of God or, or are fans of parts of faith and religion, but aren't followers. Uh, so we do this thing here. How many, uh, well, I won't ask, but many of you signed an all-in card. And so I think we have about 618 volunteers in our church. You've shown up on the database as serving. Out of that, there is about 500 of you that had signed in an all-in card. That means this year, I'm going to, to be all-in. Being all-in means attending and, and giving and serving and being in a group. And, you know, all great intentions The difference was there are many that signed that and said that, and there are about 218 that actually did those things. Now, one of the tensions that we have here is that I'll say stuff, and it's hard not for you to feel guilty, right? (laughs) Oh, geez, here it goes. The pastor's telling us we have to do more. And and I don't want to do that this morning. In fact, uh, this morning... I want to appeal to you in a different way. I want to finish this series, but I want to really get to the the bottom line of of why I believe people are not followers of Jesus. I want to just review. We said fans are are these enthusiastic devotees to something as a spectator, and there are a lot of fans of God in our culture today. Uh, Quite interesting to see who, who calls out the name of God and their life does not match that. And uh, we have said there's just a difference. And the Bible is filled with pictures that God said, uh, hey, there's, there's no middle road. There really is. You're either a follower of Jesus or you're not. You're a fan. And even in Bobby's teaching last week, we talked about the woes. Uh, that there's all these warnings that Jesus talks about that you don't want. Fandom can settle into any of us. And it's not that you remove yourself from being a follower, but I know as a follower, it's easy for me to slip into this mode of being a fan because it's easier. Quite interesting enough, it's less painful. It's less work. It costs me less. And so really it comes down to is we finished this 42 days of reading with Rick Warren's book. We've written blogs. Uh, You have to answer the question why. Why, why, why do you exist? It really comes down to you understanding the purpose of your life. Now, for grins, I looked up on the internet, I was saying, all right, what are things in life we don't understand, they don't have any reason or purpose? You ever seen some of those? 
Let me show you a few. Um, things that don't have reason or purpose. This is an emergency exit. I mean, they could have just filled that in, but no, that's there for some reason. How about this one? Road work ahead, road work ended. Um, hmm. Do I say anything? I mean, can you just take the handles off? Because this really isn't serving any purpose at all. This is interesting. This is a whited out back window, yet there's a windshield wiper. Just to keep the car clean. This one is really confusing. It has a wheelchair access, but also steps to each other. Uh, this is odd. There's a peephole and there's a glass window on the door. Wait, I want to see who's here. I mean, that, yeah, that, something's not right there. This one is disturbing. As if just by viewing it, I would have that urge, right? Maybe I could sit on that fence. I don't think so. I, I think it says it well. Um, this says containing peanuts, but then says peanuts. Yes, obviously. Um, sign not in use. And then the Oscar Mayer Wiener truck, car. Anybody seen this? So um, we fly home from uh, LA and we got in the car. Haley was driving us and Allie was in the car and there's all this craziness. Oh my gosh, look at that, look at that. They don't even know what it is. They're saying, it, it's, it's a wiener car. We're not even sure what this is. They had no context for it. And then I kept thinking, why does the car exist? What is that for? Is it just a marketing ploy? Now, I just got some trivia. Mr. Martin came to me and said, you know, two Bayport grads were hired to drive that around Wisconsin for uh, some season. Some of you know that too? What great trivia we have in Wisconsin. Excellent. But you think about this question why. Why do things exist? I, I actually think many of you wrestle with, why am I here? If you haven't answered that question, you, you probably... There, there's probably a longing to figure out more about what you're here for. If, if life is simply random to you, uh, then religion or faith in Christ, uh, they don't make sense. And, and this morning, I, I want to talk to you about when you answer the why, some, there's, this, there's this switch that happens. There's this transformation that should begin in your life that changes. And it really comes out of this John chapter 14. William Barclay says it this way, there are two great days in a person's life, the day we are born and the day we discover why. You have been obviously brought into this life for some reason. If you don't believe that, then you believe in randomness and it's just whatever and it's all about get what you can and then die. But when you discover why you're here, something changes. And I, I wanna talk to you about that. In the Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren does this great job at summarizing that in 42 days, and he talks about answering this why, and one was why we were planned for God's, God's pleasure, and so our purpose is to worship. We saw that in, in several of the readings in that one week, and, and around that we're to worship. That doesn't mean singing, it means there's an expression of my life that serves God. We have been formed 
uh, for God's family. You've been created uh, to be invested into one another. That's what belong is. Now, you can see our church concept of, of connect with God, belong to the body, and go and serve. You'll see to worship is to connect with God. To belong is belong. And here's the second to belong. Created to become like Christ. You've been created, and, and Jesus says when he enters your life, there is the Holy Spirit enters in, and there's a transformation that begins. Paul talks about this, that he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Recognize the, the metamorphosis going on inside of you. He said, you're shaped to go and serve. That's part of the why of why you're here, and you're to go serve. I, I think often we see serving as, well, if I want to, or I feel like it, or it's easy, or it fits my schedule. Now, you've been created for that. And, and last, but you've been made for a mission. There's, there's this go part of getting out of your chair and not, not just serving around the campus here or around some Christians, but getting out of your chair and extending your life into the dark places of this world and bringing the hope of Christ. This is the why. Now in John 14, Jesus is sitting with some disciples who are unsettled. There is, some, there is some tension they're feeling. He's, he's, he's starting to tell them what's going to unfold, and they're feeling a restlessness, and he'll promise things like, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He, he tells them, this is where we're going to go. I'm going to come back and get you. One of the questions is, well, how do we, how do we know where you're going? And he says, hey, if, if you know me, then you'll know my father. And there's this, it's a great chapter to read for encouragement. There's great promises in it. But I have been particularly interested and struck with this text. It says in verse 15, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be, and, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live and you will also live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. There's an interesting concept that Jesus is introducing here, and it's boiled down to this one phrase. If you love me, keep my commands. He'll say it in 1 John. He'll say, those who love me will do this. Now, this morning, this is going to create some tension because I want to talk about moving from fan to follower. But I recognize, our leadership recognizes, it is impossible for me to do that this morning. And, and... I don't want you to feel guilt and a, a dutiful responsibility or obligation to do that because that won't work. Let me illustrate. So I'm sure some of you, you have, you've dated and you've, whether it's the high school or college era of your life and you dated, but then hopefully or, or at some point you met the one. You, you met one that was very di different and uh, for me, that was meeting this girl at Moody Bible Institute uh, uh, who was always late to chapel. Um, 
I'm, I'm not shaming her, I'm just saying that hasn't changed and that's passed down to our girls and so we're always about 20 minutes late to everything. Five minutes per actually puts me at about 25. Um, no, I, I'm saying that because uh, I, I noticed her showing up late to chapel. And when we met, when I met Trisha, there was something that was different. Everything changed for me. Now, friends, I did not rush to the library and go, man, there's got to be a book on how to get this right in dating the girl that you love or, you know, setting up, you know, the girl that you love for marriage, um, how to win her heart. I didn't, win, I, read, I didn't read anything. But I started to do some stuff that only could be explained by a heart change. I didn't feel obligated to go buy flowers. I didn't feel obligated to get her cards. I didn't feel obligated to date her. I didn't try to check boxes to go through all the process so that I might love her more. No, I was doing crazy stuff like I was drawing hearts, guys, on cards with arrows through it. Um, I, I would wait outside her window because um, I worked into the night. I worked at Ditka's down in Chicago and I wouldn't get done till like three in the morning and then the campus at a Moody wouldn't open until like I think 5 a.m. So I, I would wait at her window and talk to her. She's like two floors up on the street in Chicago. What am I thinking? It's in the middle of the morning. It was just ridiculous. I was doing crazy stuff. It could only be explained by not out of obligation, not out of duty, not because I'm checking a box, because I fell in love. This phrase here is what I want you to think about this morning. Do you love God? He says something very powerful here. If you love me, you just will. You just will obey. See, I think we always try to flip that. If I obey, will that change something in me? Will something be fixed in me if, if, if I can do that? But this is not the way Jesus is giving this, this profound promise, saying, when you fall in love with me, there's going to be some crazy changes in your heart that you will not be able to hold back and it will express itself. This morning, I want to unpack those. And I want to give you really five questions that came out of the reading from The Purpose Driven Life, What on Earth Am I Here For? But I want to give them, I think they're five evaluations for you. Do you love God? Because this morning, I, I don't want you to feel guilt. I don't want you to feel like we're trying to work you to, to do some more things so that, you know, we, we have all these people that look like Jesus. You, you can't perform being a follower. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't come from just an outward appearance. There's an inward transformation that expresses itself that way. You see how difficult it is to do church? Because we can list things and call you to things, but until there's a love affair beginning in your own soul, it doesn't make sense. Let me give you five questions. Here they are. First, is your worship self-centered or God-centered? Is your worship self-centered or God-centered? There's two passages here, one in 2 Corinthians 5.14. It says, Christ's love 
has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. Uh, Psalm 62, if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. Two very interesting passages, very different parts of scripture, but same concept. Don't put yourself or anything else in the center of your life. Do you remember uh, several weeks ago we had Bobby sang a song, well actually Emma sang a song and Bobby played, but clear the stage, remember that? A 15 year old profoundly I think speaking, I think through the Holy Spirit, but just that was powerful. The purity of who she is in her heart, but, but that expression, remember one of the lines in there is do whatever it takes, take everything off of the stage of your life necessary to place back who is really the center of your life. If, if you haven't thought through this, when we have things, when we get, become successful, when we become uh, popular, when, when we're gifted with certain abilities, those things can, can grow and they, they find their way on the stage of your life and they, become, they can become the center of your life really quick. You see, the writer here in Psalms is not saying if you're, if you're rich, that's a bad thing. He's saying any kind of wealth, any kind of things in your life that you put on the stage, it could be anything. That's a lot of what that Jimmy Needham song talked about. It was saying anything that you put before God, anything that you put in the center of your life other than God is an idol. When you love God your worship becomes God-centered. So I, I, I became a Christian in 1971 in July. I believe it was July 4th or 5th. And uh, I remember my mom uh, had prayed. I had asked my mom before we went to bed with my brother. And I just said, I want to know Jesus. And I remember, and she told me this later, but she didn't know how to do that. And so we just prayed. But for years, I grew up in a Christian school, and for years, I was doing what many people do today and checking boxes. I was, I was checking the boxes. I was memorizing all the verses. I was saying, well, good Christian young men are, are staying sexually pure, and they're, they're not drinking, and they're not, you know, they're not doing all these things. And so I had a, a, a list of things I wasn't doing, and then I had a list of things I, I was trying to do. But I live with a lot of guilt that I wasn't doing enough. I, I would go to all the camps, I would do all the church stuff, and I remember being a senior in high school, having this dichotomy, this tension. The tension was I'd sit in Bible class, and we'd be talking about God, and then those same friends that talked about God were partying their tails off on Friday and Saturday, and I wasn't going because I thought I was checking the the good box, right? That's what you don't do. You know what I was feeling? I was feeling like they're having a lot more fun than me. Well, how boring is checking boxes? I just feel more guilty. I feel more empty. So I was about to quit on God at that point in my life, 18 years old, about to say forget it. I, I get why a lot of our young people walk away because all they're watching if they're checking boxes, if they see a family that checks boxes, 
doesn't make sense. So this football coach uh, pulled me into this youth meeting, and I'll never forget that, that night because from his heart sharing what it means to, to know God in a relationship changed everything. I realized God did not care about me checking boxes. Bobby mentioned a little bit of this last week. It was the woe to these Pharisees. Don't think that creating an outward reality of what Christianity looks like is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a heart change. And friends, that changed my love. Everything changed for me. It wasn't I'm going to school to become popular or famous. It wasn't God was going to go play football to do that. I was doing everything to say, what does God want? What does God want? What does God want? And, and so I, I remember uh, I played, I didn't say this the first service, and I, I played two years of college football, and then I remember, and I was, I, I, you know, I'm nowhere near what these crazy athletes are, and, but, you know, I wanted to play more, and we were, we were fairly decent, and I remember I wasn't big enough, I played linebacker, and that has a lot to do with just being angry in life. Um, anyway, I, I ended up, it was interesting, I, I was working in a cabinet shop, uh, finished the season, and my, these coaches in Glendale were trying to get us all like, you know, scholarships or opportunities to play at some schools, and I remember deciding that God wanted me to give my life to him in ministry. I, rem I remember that. I remember God, it was like a fork in the road, like the, the picture I showed you, it said, you could choose either. I'm not gonna say either are bad, but he goes, I wanna know what you want. And I remember saying, all right, God, I'm gonna hang up the cleats. Now listen, I was never gonna be like, you know, a major athlete or anything like that. I just, I love playing. So I never forget saying, all right, God, I'm committing to go. And I committed to go to Moody Bible Institute. I didn't even know Chicago was in Illinois, right? <laughs> I seriously did not. When you said Illinois, I was like, is that a state? Um, let alone Wisconsin, by the way. Uh, so I remember making that decision the next morning, getting a call from Terry Donahue's office, UCLA, to go play special teams in long snap for UCLA. Now, most of you say, what? Um, I said, no, I couldn't, my coaches were so mad at me. Because especially when they heard, no, I'm going to go to this Bible school in Illinois, and that's what I'm going to give my life to. They couldn't understand it. Now, I'm not telling you that to pat myself on the back. I'm telling you that because my love changed. I still love that sport. I still love being a part of it. But my love changed, and it didn't matter. And, and I, I freely hung up that. When you love God, every, the center of your life changes. It's not about all the things that we acquire that we think are the center of our lives. What's the second question this morning? Do you fellowship as a spectator or as a participator? Are you someone this morning that sits in fellowship and more is just here kind of feeling like, if I rub shoulders with some Christians, get around a few things here and there, do you realize your Christianity, you have been... Is, is all about relationship with God and others. And if you don't have relationship with others, and I'm not talking about just knowing their names, but who knows you? Who knows you to the point 
that exposes the dark side of who you are. It's why I think we struggle with small groups in any church culture, because who wants to expose themselves to other people? Galatians 6.10 says, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Look around for a moment. Just go ahead, look around. Yep, look around. Yeah, just look around. Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, especially the community of faith. Romans 12, since we are one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. You know what I think it is for us? I think in us, we're built to be very independent thinking in our culture and we're a very prideful culture. And we find ourselves not very open to being sharpened by other people. One of the themes that came out in our, our elder meeting was sharpening and shaping and how difficult it is for us to both speak truth in other people's lives, but also to open ourselves up to other people's lives. And the truth is that many of you don't realize how powerfully shaping the people around you could be if you opened up. It's what groups are about. Friends, groups aren't about curriculum. We're so really ramped about doing Bible study. Oh, let's just check out. We just did Romans. We just, we're, we're marching through. God does not give you credit for intellectual wisdom. He gives you transformation when that stuff hits your heart and life and you begin to share that with other people. Some of the most powerful experiences for me have been when people spoke truth into my life. One of the things I love around here is we do transformation of the heart. It's nine months, it's every other week. It's a meal together, general teaching, and then it's a group. And honestly, I love it because we get to hear real, honest, hurt, flaws, brokenness, struggle, sin. And, and I have an environment where I, that can, I can talk about that. Where do, you, where do you have that? You see, when you love God, you become a fellowship. Fellowship becomes something that you are just, you participate in. You don't wait till it happens to you. You begin to, you dive into it. You long are in our hunger for new relationships and you'll, you're, you're not afraid about what people think. You want to have an honest dialogue and then you listen to the words that people are sharing with you. Do you realize that God speaks mostly to us through three different things? It's through the word, through others, and through his Holy Spirit, through others. When others come to you and say, you know what, I need to share with you something. Something I see in your life, maybe affirming something in your life, maybe, maybe sharpening you somehow. Friends, this is where fellowship. Some of you just need to be encouraged. This is the idea of fellowship. You can't just check the box saying I'm a part of something. I've, I've done the small group thing. The third question is, is your growth based on comfort or character? Is your growth based on comfort or character? 
In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Second Peter says, don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. Complement your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love. Uh, this question is an interesting one. When you love God, your growth is based on character. Now, I want to stop here for a moment and, and just be uh, very transparent. And I shared it with first service, and I want you to know this. Uh, one, of, one of the things I've had to work through in my life, and most of you probably don't understand this just about how we're, we develop, but you're... Your family shapes you, and what you had or didn't have done to you is what shapes you. And often what we project is usually opposite of what's going on inside of us. So I tend to operate very confidently. It's because I grew up very not very confident and not hearing uh, a father affirm me and, and let me know. And I would just was with my dad. I love my dad. I don't hold a grudge to him for those things. But that shaped me. When ministry came along, I was a performer. I wanted to get it all right. And my first, I worked about 10 years at Willow Creek, but my second year at Willow Creek, I was just a hard charger, going for it. And I had got some word from a staff member, I remember, and they said, uh, hey, Troy, did you hear one of the elders said that you're the biggest problem at Willow Creek? Okay, there's about 20,000 people there, and there's about 300 on staff. When you hear that you're the biggest problem. So I could have said, forget that. This place is whacked. Uh, or I don't want to expose myself to that. This not, must not be a... They must not have things right. This person must be evil. No, what I felt and what I still feel today is to listen to everything. Even today, when I have people share with me, even out of when they want to hurt me, I have to, even though they're trying to hurt me, I have to listen to what is the Spirit speaking to me? Is there truth in any of it? I called that elder. And I'll tell you, it was one of the best growing experiences that I've had. Some, many misunderstandings, and, uh, but there was some truth in it. And what it taught me was that when I started to love God, I started to long to, to be like Christ, and I didn't want to hurt people. And so any way I could to go back, and so I started to call people from high school. I, I started to go crazy and start to call people that I wronged in high school, and you know, that gets weird because usually your high school buddies and stuff are like not where you're at maybe spiritually and, hey, remember when we did this? I was wrong. I was sin. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Uh, what? You know, they're still telling you that story like it's the greatest thing you ever did. But um, no, I, I, my love for God started to call me into, I, I one day want to stand before God. And when he says, I sent that junior high kid to you, or I sent that person, even though they wanted to hurt you, I sent them. Even though that person gossiped and slandered you, I sent them. I, I want to hear that. Can you imagine how hard sometimes this role is? Because I get emails. 
I get a lot of things about what I don't do right. And friends, I want you to take, I take a lot, most of that. The ones I don't take serious is one somebody who doesn't sign it. Which is funny on email because you can tell who it is anyway, but that's, that's one of those why things anyway. Um, I love God too much to make this about me. So I want to know. So we had our elder retreat, and I told the elders, and I, I want you to hear that too. I said, listen, anything that you see in my life, that you, you have to be sharpeners in my life too. But that's not popular, is it? How many of you would respond with a love for God based on growing in, on character if someone after the service that you don't like came to you and said, I don't like the way you treat your spouse. I don't think it's Christ-like. Hmm. I mean, you might have a small brawl in the lobby, right? And I think this, this goes to the very nature of why it's so difficult, I think, for people to, to grab on to being a follower because it transcends who the messengers are. It transcends all this. And so despite the wrong that someone may intend to do to me, I have to listen to how's God shaping me? And I want that. Next question, is your ministry based on getting or giving? First Peter 4.10, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. God's giving, given all of us not just abilities, but time and relationships. He placed you in the families that you're in. He did all this for a reason. Some of you don't recognize that you think you're a victim to your life, like you've had all these bad things happen. Remember when the Pharisees asked Jesus or the disciples say, who sinned that this man is blind? Remember they said, somebody must have gotten it wrong, not checked the right box, and that's why this guy's blind. We, all, we view life that way, right? When bad stuff happens, something went wrong. What does Jesus say? Oh, no, 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 no. God did that so that one day I could heal him and it would glorify my name. What if some of the hardships that you have in your life are so that God can glorify himself through the ministry of how you work through that? Ephesians 2 says it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives in Christ Jesus. And long ago he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. How is your life giving to other people? When you love God, your ministry becomes something that you just start giving. Because a lot of the bacteria that is destroying the local church today and friends that's here at Community Church is this. Give me. Give me more ministry. Give me better teaching. Give me this, and it's this. Yep, that's why I'm here. It's not a good transaction. Because we're so locked into consumerism. We're so locked into, hey, wait, I tithed. So you better give back. Friends, the, the, the hand motions for someone who falls in love with God is here. Take it. This is my time. Here, take it. This is what I have financially. Here, take it. This is my abilities. When someone falls in love with Jesus, they can't help 
but find crazy ways to give themselves away. You're going to take communion in a bit, and this is the very expression of God himself and his son Jesus Christ, a full giving away. The nature of ministry, of loving God, is giving yourself fully away. But we're all about acquiring and getting and getting. You see why a bunch of us pastors get together in the area and we do it um, several times throughout the year. And, I, you know, one of the common conversations is, yeah, we had a family leave our church because they weren't getting what they needed. So they're over at your church, Troy, and I'm like, crud. <laughs> they're not going to get what they need. <laughs> You see, if this, if this is what it is, the church, uh, our humanness, th this will always fail you. But when you view the opportunity that we have to give ourselves, I mean, we're going to open a care center up that has a chance to feed over 300 families and 600 kids a month. Are you kidding? I mean, I get a chance to do that. you see the difference? And when Christians hold on and, and it's about getting, we lose perspective. Loving God, your ministry becomes so much based on this foundation of giving. What's the last one? Is, is your mission promoting self or sharing Christ? Uh, the passage is here, 1 Thessalonians 4.10. Your lives are echoing the Master's word. The news of your faith is that is God is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore because you're the message. Acts 2, or Acts 20, excuse me, 24. Life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned, by me, or assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. When you love God, your mission is sharing Christ. Some of you are working in retail. God placed you in that ministry so that he might glorify his name about how you treat consumers. Some of you have been put in the banking industry and God has placed you straight in that ministry because he wants you to glorify his name about how you view finance. Some of you own businesses because he wants to glorify his name about how you don't lord it over employees, but you become a servant in the midst of that business. Whatever you've been placed, whether you're a mom parenting at home or a father parenting at home, wherever you've been placed, God put you there. And friends, when you get this picture of what ministry and mission look like, it's about giving yourself away in the very place that you've been placed, and it's to share about Jesus. It's to talk about Jesus somehow, some way. Do you see how any of this becomes a problem if we're checking boxes? And, and one of the tensions that I've felt about going through this series is that I, I can't change you. I can't make you check boxes and then get you to fall in love with God. That has to be God doing that for you. 
There's a passage in Corinthians that talks about that, that God, some are dulled. Some have a veil over and don't understand. He's talking a lot about uh, the Israelites, the Jews, that just, they don't see Jesus. I've been to Israel. You, you, you will be at Israel and see them praying passionately for the Messiah. It's like, hey, time out. He, he already came. He, he like lived a full life, right? He, in fact, he walked here where you're praying. I mean, it, it seems so obvious. Why isn't it so obvious to us? It's about Jesus. So really, the series, Are You a Fan or Follower? I pray that you don't feel guilt. I, I do. I pray that you don't walk out of here thinking, oh man, he's asking me to do more things. I'm really not. But I'm asking you questions about do you love God? Has, has he captured your heart? Has he, has he consumed your heart? Do you, do you love him? I'm going to finish with this story. We're going to do communion. Bobby's going to come up and, and lead us in some songs again. Um, so family had this dog, and this dog um, was old age. I think it was 12 years old, and so obviously, you know, that gets toward the end of some of the lifespan of a dog. But uh, they took it to the vet, and the family was there, and said, we need to put this dog to sleep. He's just suffering. And so um, the little seven-year-old boy was really quiet because that was his buddy. And some of you have done this, and how hard that is for a family. And, and they put the dog down, and uh, they went home. And so the dad in front of the family asked the son, are you doing okay? He said, I'm doing well. They said, well, how are you doing well with this? He said, you know, I've realized why dogs' lives are so short. He says, as humans, it takes us so long to learn why we're living and to love life and the life we've been given, but for a dog. He says, they already, they've already figured it out. I'm laughing that I'm crying about my dog right now. <laughs> There's something about the joy of that animal, right? If you have one, that's like, they just love right there. I know I'm gonna go home and it won't matter What's happening? Thor will want to see me. I think about that about, do you love God that way? This little boy's insight is so true. Dogs figure that out right away. I'm going to love life. I'm going to love what God's given me. Do you feel that way about your faith? Friends, that's why this is a tough, this is a tough sometimes role in that I want to plead but really, it's asking the Holy Spirit to change your heart. For some of you to fall in love with him. To, to come to hit head, head on with a God that loves you. We're going to go to communion, and I'm going to encourage you, if you're a fan, don't go to communion. Actually, the Bible says not to do that. It says, if you love me. If you love me, then you're going to want to remember that I sent my son to die for you. You're going to want to remember that it is me that lives in you and that you know the Father through me. He says that in John 14. And he says that, and you're going to want to remember that I'm coming back for you. That's communion. 
if you're checking a box this morning, please don't. Um, it's just that's not why it's there. And I want to just pray for us and, and allow the Spirit to work um, in you this morning. Father, we're, we're grateful. I'm grateful that you've captured my heart. In all the flawed and sinfulness that I have, Father, that you've captured me. God, will you do that to our community? Will you capture hearts in this room? In Jesus' name, amen.